says here, what do you say, Claire? Aw. Apparently nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome to FisherCast, a Six Feet Under retrospective. I am your funeral director, Robin, and I'm joined by my Six Feet Undertakers. Moira. And Des. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are going to switch personalities for this episode? <laughs> you know, just for a change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Underroos. We are back. Uh... <laughs> like I'm, I'm loving the underoos. I, I, I am. I, I'm hoping I, that it works. It's going to start working much better because right now I feel like I'm talking to my briefs. Just I'm kind of looking down <laughs> at my area and just talking to them. Too much information, Robin. <laughs> I, I used to have underoos when I was a little girl. I had Wonder Woman underoos, and my brother had Spider Man underoos. We awesome. were awesome. Yes. So. I never, I never had underoos. That's because you were in the poor, disadvantaged Canadian area. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they weren't here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, an interesting keeping this episode a little shorter than the last one. Uh, let's move on to the Darwin Awards. Oh, this uh, is going to be fun. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't find any real funny cases. <laughs> of autoerotic asphyxiation. Of autoerotic Every asphyxiation. Case is funny. <laughs> I will say that uh, uh, it's been rumored that Michael Hutchins of In Excess uh, died from it, uh, although some people have said that it wasn't that, as well as David Carradine from uh, uh, Kill Bill. And of course, Kung Fu the Legend continues. Um, and Kung Fu before that, I suppose. <laughs> But um, I did find something that uh, was a, a bit um, about strangulation. Uh, this takes place in 1927 France. Um, Isadora Duncan was a dancer considered to be uh, by many to be the creator of modern dance. Uh, Duncan's fondness for flowing scarves was the cause of her death in an automobile accident in Nice, France at the age of 50. The scarf was hand-painted silk from the Russian-born artist Roman Shatov. On the night of September 14th, 1927, Duncan was a passenger in the automobile of a handsome French-Italian mechanic, Benoit Facetto. Um, the automobile was going at full speed when the scarf of strong silk began winding around the vehicle's open-spoked wheels and rear axle and That's with terrific force... Scarf. Dragged Miss Duncan around wh whom it was securely wrapped bodily over the side of the car, mm. smashing her violently against this cobblestone oh. street. She was dragged for several yards before Felchetto halt halted. Medical aid was summoned, but it was determined that she had been strangled and killed instantly. Oh. This is not funny at all. <laughs> this is terrible. That is horrible. I'm disappointed in you, Robin. I wanted funny. I wanted something with masturbation and strangulation. <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard. Uh, I don't think she should. Well, I guess. I don't know if she's had a scarf that long, but still, that seems yeah. more like a tragic accident than a total Darwinian moment. Yeah. Oh well. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I think. I think if you're in an automobile and you let your long dingly scarf hang out the window, it is kind of asking for a little trouble. Uh, maybe. Much as it is sticking your head out the top of a limo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so the moral of the story is don't let anything protrude from your moving vehicle. 
Right. Right. Keep your hands, okay. arms, and scarves inside the vehicle at all at times. At all times. You yes. got that tip from us, Underoos. That's okay, right. let's uh, let's take a quick break and hear from our friends at What's On with Stefan Des. Not enough time to follow your favorite shows. Too busy to figure out what's worth watching? Well, let these ladies do the watching for you. My name is Steph. And my name is Des. If it's on, they watch it. Saturday Night Live. Being Human. Lost Girl. Dexter. Eureka. The Walking Dead. Grey's Anatomy. Parks and Rec. Survivor. Modern Family. Merlin. Friday Night Live. They'll parse the good. But, but I loved it. it was, I enjoyed it. It was great. <laughs> I was like, whoa. You know? <clears throat> I was not expecting that at all. So I, I, I like that. The bad. I just was not interested in any of this. So long and not good. And it was like, oh, come on. And the downright awful. I groaned. I was like, oh, I can't stand her face. <laughs> that was terrible. That was absolutely terrible. So tune in weekly to What's On with Stefan Des for all your television needs. Available on iTunes or directly at whatsonwithstephandes.blogspot.com. And we're back. And that was we're... awesome. <laughs> that was truly <laughs> awesome. Yes. Hey, you guys ever work out contract negotiations and getting Carney Cast promo on your show? <laughs> yes, we're in discussions right now. <laughs> the good. lawyers are just being a pain in the butt. They're such money grubbers. (laughs) Um, All right. So this is open casket viewing and uh, our episode discussion starts, of course, with a synopsis by Moira. Season two, episode seven, back to the garden. A Jewish funeral at Fisher and Sons leads Nate to seek spiritual guidance from an intense female rabbi. Visiting her aunt Sarah, Clara is surprised to meet an intriguing boy her own age amidst Sarah's hard partying artist friends. Brenda's prostitute pal, Melissa, inspires some unusual fantasies. Keith warms up to David after a medical emergency involving his niece, Taylor. Ruth invites Robbie to dinner to spare herself another lonely evening, but his chatter renews her appreciation for the beauty of a silent home. (laughs) (laughs) Frederico's suspicions about his cousin Ramon's intentions toward Vanessa prove remarkably misguided. (laughs) Written by Jill Soloway and directed by Dan Adias. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and uh, Jill Soloway was uh, is one of the executive uh, producers of Six Feet Under, and, and and is often asked in many interviews about what it was like to work on Six Feet Under. And uh, let me just give you a little background on her. You know, she ended up being um, uh, one of the executive producers, but she was hired on the show. You know, as a writer after writing a, a funny short story called Courtney Cox's Asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it was a story that uh, it was intended to crack her friend Becky up, and actually Becky ends up getting a minor role on Six Feet Under in the future. Um, and this is uh, from the article from the interview um, called "The Little Jew That Could." Um, she says. Six Feet Under to me is beautiful for its absolute realness. There's an ethos in network television where the hero is always very clear. Good guy, bad guy. This is our hero, and these are the obstacles that come up against him as he tries to do whatever. Dislodge the bomb or find the kidnapped child. Six Feet Under actually 
nearly everything on HBO has that very ambiguous anti-hero thing. The antagonists are internal. The villain is life. The villain is self. The forces that come in from the outside as a challenge to the protagonist waver from being good to bad to both to neither. This is a very odd experience for the average TV watcher, but also what I think makes these shows feel so much like life. There's also a lot of fulfillment in seeing how Six Feet Under um, helped create helped our culture process death. For example, on a micro level, it made the funeral intake procedure something very familiar to people, which made it a lot easier for people to deal with. From what I'm told by both funeral directors and civilians alike. On a greater level, the show created with its portrayal of conversations with people who have died a new model to think about instead of this prevailing idea of ghosts. The show might have even made room in a lot of people's consciousness for a different understanding of the relationship between the living and the dead. So, hmm. but there's, that was there was there is one other villain, Croner. <laughs> <laughs> the villain is Croner. The villain is Mitzi. Yes, Mitzi too. Villainess. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no Mitzi in this episode. So yeah, points off. And there's no Claire in this episode of Fisher Cast. We really were hoping that she'd be able to come on to this episode. I believe this is one of her favorites. And uh, unfortunately, the internet in England cannot be trusted. Um, I, you know, it's much like the internet in such foreign places as Canada and Pensacola. <laughs> my internet works fine. <laughs> Has my internet ever let you down, Robin? <laughs> You uh, threw me uh, for a loop there for a second when you said we had no Claire. I'm like, what? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, what I know. Do you, mean? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Claire from England, Claire. I'm going to have to put it in the episode description again. Claire, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so this episode begins with a kind of a cut back and forth between um, uh, we're seeing Jeffrey Shapiro and we're seeing from his point of view. And he's uh, cutting a lemon, and then we see him put a porno on. Uh, the... Uh, um, porno segment actually uh, was created specifically for the episode using real porn stars. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Like, <laughs> porn is. Um, so he ties a belt over his uh, solo flex. Is that a solo flex there? Yes. <laughs> One of those big I, exercise machines. I knew it was coming as soon as he started taking off his belt. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Don't he get just, it, but I saw it coming. <laughs> He gets the lube going and uh, he puts a, puts a lemon in his mouth and he puts the belt around his neck and we go POV again as uh, we see the porno start to fade away. And he There dies. was some full frontal nudity in that porno. There was indeed. Yeah. So see, I, uh, I thought, Daz, you were going to be really happy because we had some porn in this one. Yes, I was. I was excited, <laughs> but um, we didn't get to see enough of it very clearly, you know. Uh, no, it was fuzzing out at the end there. What a shame. Yeah, I know. It's interesting how much a later scene is reflective of the porn we see. <laughs> Just got to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll mention it if you don't realize what I'm talking about. But, uh, <laughs> I don't. Eddie. Oh. Anyway, uh, we go to uh, David arriving Wait, at Keith's. I wanted to well, talk about autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, please. Go ahead. You're an expert. <laughs> no, I am not an expert. I had no idea about the lemon. But I don't get it. <laughs> you could die. Yeah. And clearly people do. I don't get that at all. That's ridiculous. I mean, maybe I have intense enough orgasms that I don't need them. I, 
by um, <laughs> by suffocation, but I don't see why anyone would want to do that. It, it is does a- seem a little tricky to be doing that on your own with no supervision. Yes. And it's well documented people die of doing that. You should have called Brenda. She would have watched. Always yeah. have a spotter. I didn't know about the lemon either. No, I learned something. But see, I don't know much. I, I think the first time I've ever heard of erotic as autoerotic as physic- I can't talk right now. Yes, thank you. Was on the X Files. Oh, was oh, that okay. the X Files episode? Someone, they, some, he, someone was talking about someone was going to die by autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh yes, yes. That's, don't don't say anything about that. No, no. Did, that's the first time I had ever heard heard of it. <laughs> Must have been in CSI too, right? One would think. Eh, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. The the first time I ever heard of it was was like I said earlier, Michael Hutchins from NXS, which was like a ba- a band I really loved back loved back in them. the nineties, early nineties, yeah, yeah. late eighties, and uh, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that when I heard it, I was like, first it was like he he died, and then to hear that he, you know, I, I'm not gonna say he. It, it, it's t- there's been disputes whether or not it was that, but mm. um, just well, to hear were his that pants around his ankles. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you would think it would be a little easy to figure that one out. It's- I'm just saying. I'm just saying, though. I mean, if you're if you're pursuing that. You are an orgasm addict. I'm sorry. There's just no hope for you. You're you're really that far into your own orgasm that you would nearly kill yourself. And you have this whole preparation with the the lemon and the hanging from the solo flux machine. You are an orgasm addict. I there is sex is not something that I'm willing to die for. <laughs> Ever. You know, I don't like to take those kind of chances. For something like sex, sex is remember, great. Remember sex is awesome, but the couple a few episodes ago in our Darren Awards that we're doing it in the road. <laughs> yes, that's a good example. That's just dumb. Yeah. Yes, totally <laughs> dumb. Um, I don't know. Maybe it improves the quality of the orgasm, but I'm with you, Des. Frankly, I think mine are quite stellar as they are, and they really don't need any help. Yeah, right. mine are pretty damn awesome. I don't think there can be much improvement. Just to let you guys know. <laughs> I know everybody was curious. Well, I'm not ready to talk about my orgasms on this show. Um, <laughs> maybe on an episode of Bitch, Please. <laughs> that, okay. Well, we know you have a child, so we're pretty sure you've had one. <laughs> no, he has Thank two you. children. Uh, yeah, the quality of it I can't attest to. I have no idea, but it was it functional. <laughs> Robin. All right, moving on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> David arrives at Keith's and he's all wet from the rain and tears. Oh. They admit they love each other. They kiss and it's happy ending time. Oh, Not that way, Brenda. Uh, but yeah, then Keith wakes up. I thought it was going to be David's dream at first. So Yeah. Okay. It was surprising to see Keith yeah. dreaming about that. With those yeah. camera angles spinning around and around yeah. and around. <laughs> um. Taylor isn't eating because her tummy hurts. See, and right away, right away, I thought, uh-oh, there's going to be something really wrong with this kid, and, and mm-hmm. Keith is going to miss it. Did you, you know guys- what I was thinking? First, I thought, that kid watches too much TV. Second, I thought <laughs> she was doing it because there's obvious tension between Keith and Eddie, and um, you know how kids are that sometimes they have sympathy. Symphon- oh, Sympathy I sickness. I cannot talk so much today. <laughs> <laughs> S- 
sympathy, sympathy asphyxiation. Yeah, stomach aches. Stomach aches. Kids <laughs> somatization. Get, yeah, they get yeah. stomach aches when there's like parents are fighting and when things are going bad, they get stressed stomach aches. And so I, that's what I thought really? it was. See, because she doesn't strike me as that kind of kid. She strikes me as the kind of kid that just says it when she's upset. Yeah. So yeah. I was anyway. I just got this little hinky feeling. Hmm. It was going to be bad. We'll get on that later. But, uh, yeah, Keith is frustrated. He's not getting any sleep, and he hasn't heard from Taylor's mom. And this is Eddie's uh, Eddie's breaking point. Keith's lashing out at him. And, uh, uh, yeah, Keith pretty much says he's going to, you know, he can get all his stuff or whatever. And Eddie mm-hmm. tells him to shove his stuff up his tight white ass. Eddie's <laughs> very offended that. that he called his ass white. Oh, Lord. Uh. Ruth Good riddance, tells, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth tells Claire no about visiting Aunt Sarah, and Claire tells her to build some scaffolding. Oh, it's As so – I love that. Mom, have you thought at all about build, about scaffolding? <laughs> that was such an oh. obvious attempt at a teenager of getting what they wanted. Oh, yeah. It was really funny. But uh, I, I think – I'm with Ruth. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, but it was uh, interesting to me. She didn't protest when she said she was going. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't. Ruth's parenting lately, I. It's almost like she's given up on raising Claire. Kind like of. Like she thinks she's done or something. Or she because, feels again. She feels like she's failed already, or she can't compete. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's with, wrong. Uh, her sister. Yeah, but I think it's she just where is, her headspace is. She is still the parent of this child. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. she should not give up. Or the other possibility is perhaps Ruth was sitting there thinking, yeah, maybe I do need to, you know, trust Claire a little bit more. Because it went so well last time she sent her kids out there. No, but I'm just saying maybe she's trying to give Claire more credit. I don't know. Maybe. I don't don't know. Don't know. Yeah, Claire is older than Mm -hmm. uh, Nate and David are. Yeah. By like a year or two. Yeah. Um, the next well, scene. Well, at least she, she can't. She can't lose her virginity at least because it's yeah. hardly gone. <laughs> so you know, really, Claire's not wearing white anytime <laughs> soon. She still could get lost in a canyon, but I think she has a cell phone now. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Cell phones never work in canyons. Come on. <laughs> you seen any horror movie? 128 days or whatever. It was <laughs> um. So Jessica Shapiro and uh, Rabbi Ari. Are doing an intake with Nate and David, and Jeffrey needs to be buried the very next day. And Ari's there to support. And uh, yeah, Mrs. Shapiro thinks that Jeffrey killed himself. Well, he did. <laughs> he I knew that so. was a possible outcome. And that's definitely something that gets debated back and forth between uh, um, Nate and Mrs. Yeah. Shapiro and. Of course, I don't think I don't think he was trying to kill himself, but he deliberately chose to do an action that could end in his death, uh, like, you know, very easily. So I think that was very irresponsible of him. I mean, there's certain things you don't do when you realize you have a family that you need to to support and take care of and who would be ruined by And in the opening scene, when we see him walking into the weight room and you can see the the kids' toys scattered on the floor, I got a little little pang in my gut right there. Yes. Yes, but see, this is this is why you gave it up, right, Robin? Why you stopped with the autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation? You know, well, again, I don't want to talk about my orgasms on Fishercast. <laughs> but you know, the other thing I noted was I just made a little note beside. I said uh, the rabbi is gorgeous. Molly Parker she is. 
Yeah, I like Molly Parker. Are, are you seem like you're uh, familiar with that actress? Do you know her from somewhere else? I've seen her and stuff. I can't tell you what it is. I know I mean, she's in Deadwood, which I have not watched. But okay. she's been in other stuff. I can look her up real quick. But because uh, I, like I can't she... name anything off the top of my head. But she's like, oh, yeah, it's Molly Parker. Oh, I got her right here. Um, let's see. Um, well, she was on Dexter once. Uh, oh, keep... yeah, she played um, Travis's sister. Are you watching Dexter? <laughs> yes. Okay, because I'm going to talk about that later. Okay. Um, but yeah, she plays uh, Colin Hanks' character's sister. Um, and uh, she, yeah, she looks like her big one was on um, Deadwood. She was yeah. also on that show Swingtown. Didn't I didn't she... watch that. She was on Human Target. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, scroll down any farther. You don't need to see what's going on. With well, I like her better in this one scene as a rabbi than <laughs> I did in Deadwood. <laughs> I mean, I in terms of the personality. I haven't what? watched it either, but I want oh. to. Someone so get a get an intro cast going. <laughs> so good. I saw like the first few seasons, but it was like ages ago. I don't remember it. <laughs> hmm. Um. Okay. So yeah, where was I? Ah, Maggie is out to lunch with Brenda, <sighs> and uh, <clears throat> she's happy to be living alone and wants to start over with Brenda, and she wants Brenda to apologize uh, for hitting her. And also the horror of the Tranquility Spa moved in with Bernard. <laughs> I love that label. <laughs> <laughs> and Maggie... just, am I the only one who's still surprised they're actually getting divorced? It seems to yeah, me they've no. had this ridiculous marriage for the last 20-odd years. Why now? Why one Tranquility Horse Spa? <laughs> I, I, I agree with you completely. It's I don't get it. Weird. A little weird. Yes. Yeah, I, it, it, it is surprising, um, especially after what... It, is implied all the stuff they've gone through. Mm-hmm. But I find um, I find uh, Brenda's mom to, to be very irrational. No. And so <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, it seems like it came out of left field, but then I'm like, well, she's a very irrational person. So it's not completely out of the, you know, out of the uh, realm of believability. Mm. So we see now why uh, Maggie didn't get invited to the Fisher dinner where the announcement was going to happen because she completely bursts out into laughter when uh, Brenda tells her that her and Nate are getting married. Maggie gets worst mom of the decade award in this scene alone for laughing at her daughter, laughing at her when Brenda says she asked Nate and not the other way around. I just, I mean, I don't really take Maggie seriously, but... It was so cruel. And then she has to denigrate his intelligence. She just, oh, it's nothing supportive about her. Nothing kind. Yeah. Wow. Brenda (laughs) says that uh, um, he's he's different than them, than the Chenoweths, you know. Um, And then Brenda laughs at Maggie when she says (laughs) she wants to build a life of her own. Yeah, just to lash back at her because she's so hurt by how she's being treated. I Maggie's so comment- self-interested. She's completely self-interested. Yes. I listened to the commentary on this, and mm-hmm. apparently a lot of, a lot of uh, the way they wanted to do this scene was the fact that you could put this thing on mute and see what was going on between the two of them. They're that good of actresses. And uh, also, um, Rachel Griffiths, who plays Brenda, added this, the whole laughing part at the end of uh, the, the scene that she thought would be great, perfect, like... You know, way to end the scene. Her laughing at her mother about wanting to spend 
have a life on her own because she's so apparently dependent, you know? All right. So, uh, yeah, here in this next scene, we get a little insight on some of our, uh, lead male stars, uh, Rico and Nate conclude that, uh, Jeffrey killed himself by autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, yeah, Nate has no idea what Astroglide is. <laughs> oh, seriously? Come on. <laughs> and then the fact that Rico is dis- disgusted by homosexuality and any sort of deviance, but does a perfect way of uh, acting out the whole lemon in the mouth thing. Yeah. Well, because uh, masturbation's apparently okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't he a good Catholic boy? I don't think masturbation's okay for him. <laughs> Um, and then Keith calls David and says he dumped Eddie and David thanks him for telling him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. So in the next scene, Brenda tells Melissa how she has a character based on her and, uh, they light a, they light a bowl up and, uh, she tells Melissa about the jerk she offed and, uh, <laughs> get that. Um, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> and then she starts, she kind of wonders a lot. Is somebody Salisbury steak done? <laughs> That's my eating fat. I'm cold. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I was in a different room even. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then she wonders if uh, she's trying to be Melissa. And uh, yeah, we definitely wanted to mention we had an email from Missy and her uh, facts from down under about... <laughs> About uh, the girl that plays uh, Jessica and... You mean Melissa. Or Melissa, excuse me. Um, And that's Kelly Waymeyer. And yeah, uh, on the commentary, the director said it was kind of sad seeing her on the screen because uh, she did die in 2003, um, a year after this episode was filmed. Um, from cardiac arrhythmia. Is that is that like a heart attack, Moira? No, it means um, it means the heart stops in the end, but it's not because of clogged up arteries. It's because you had a rhythm problem, wow. and then the heart just stops beating. That's that is scary. Yeah, one of those completely undiagnosed things until it happens, sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Very I, scary. I feel like I should go see a cardiologist right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can hook you up with an EKG, Daz. <laughs> Yeah, she was she was thirty six. God, that's I I'm older than that, so mm. yes, I should really get my heart checked out. Not really is sad. No. Thirty six. Well, yeah, I like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So Claire arrives into Panga Canyon wow. and her aunt's house, and Sarah is surprised to see her. Um. It's Howl Weekend. <laughs> what the hell is Howl Weekend? Oh, you don't know what Howl is? No. You're, you're not in? Isn't that where you just not. tilt back your head and scream to the high heavens for a whole weekend, pretty much? No, it's the, it's the like epic poem written by Allen Ginsberg called Howl. Oh. I don't even reading. know who Allen Ginsberg is. Oh, he's a, he's a poet. He's That's a beat poet. He's a, he's a beat poet. Filled with acid. (laughs) The only thing I hate more than poets are beat poets. Okay. I just don't like poetry. (laughs) Oh, you know, I missed something that I wanted to bring up. Sure. For a second. Back when Melissa and 
Brenda, not Linda, are talking. <laughs> um, and she's talking about having, having uh, quote, I didn't know you did release. I thought, oh, is that the term for it? Anyway, but when they're talking about what she's done, um, Melissa says to her, okay, as long as it's all for your art. And I thought to myself, okay, is that a little bit of foreshadowing to make us wonder if uh, Brenda's motives in terms of going there sexually is going to get her into trouble or whether it's going to be a repeat, you know, whether she's going to start venturing more into other avenues like that sexual, sexual adventures. That's what it made me wonder. Hmm. And I'm not talking. And nobody else wondered that, obviously. <laughs> anyway. Oh, there's no need for me to wonder that. Push, well, <laughs> well, yeah. I just thought it was it was a little bit of like a warning almost. Well, as long as it's for your art, Brenda, as long as it's not that you're doing this just for the thrill, you know? Says the prostitute. Hey, but she's wise in her way. Where is not a prostitute? What? Oh, what? oh, you're talking about Melissa. Melissa. <laughs> not me. <laughs> At least not that you know. <laughs> I missed that too. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, she talks about uh, how uh, she shared a, an apartment in Berlin with Allen Ginsberg, but she got sick and tired of uh, all all his fanboys. Um, and uh, she talks about some of the guests that are going to be there, including Fiona. The deflower. The deflower. Yeah, name dropping yet again, Sarah. That, I think that would, if, if I were Claire, that would. That would make me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to know that this woman, this older woman, was the one who deflowered my brother when he was a teenager. <laughs> TMI. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So David is back. <laughs> I love these phone calls that he has with Keith. Uh, he's yelling at Keith over the phone for messing with his head, essentially. And Keith has to protest that he doesn't have an agenda and his partner is sitting right next to him. So you're right. Snickering away. <laughs> David gets annoyed by that. He hears that. He hangs up. Um, later on, Brenda and Melissa have the munchies and uh, they're talking about stripping. Uh, and uh, yeah, then Nate shows up and Brenda quickly tells her not to tell him anything about her profession. It doesn't, he's, he wouldn't get it. You know. Um <laughs> So he asked them about autoerotic asphyxiation, and Melissa says, <laughs> "So what in the what the S and M community or something like that called breath play?" Breath play, and then she says, "I read a thing." <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they, uh, Nate and Brenda are trading snipes, and Melissa calls out and says, "Are you the kind of couple that?" Bickers oh, can I read somebody. it? I wrote it down because I love it. Okay, please don't tell me you're one of these couples that likes to bicker in front of company until it gets uncomfortable, and I have to leave, and you guys fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, <laughs> no, we never do that. <laughs> oh, I like Melissa a lot. <laughs> so uh, we go back, and we have Keith calling David this time, and he asks him out to dinner. David wants the details, and Keith just says to shut up and say yes. And of course, David does. Mm-hmm. Of course. I See, I'm happy. I'm happy there. about it. I'm happy because I'm not. Well, you I, can be all care. gross if you want, but I'm happy. It's not like I'm upset about it. I just I don't care that <laughs> I much. I know. Actually, you don't care. I think it's nice for David, so I'm happy. Yeah, it's nice for David, but. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't like Keith. He bugs me. But apparently, this episode made it really clear to me that he's not going anywhere. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking of you, Dad. I thought, oh, Dad is going to be so crushed. <laughs> she wants more pretty boys with no yeah. shirts on. That would be nice. I, he yeah, just wants I, Ben I, back, right? Uh, yeah. Ben with the long eyelashes. <sighs> um, Ruth makes dinner and serves a neatly portioned plate to herself, and she sits alone. We have a little bit of echo of the whole invisible woman thing. I was almost expecting her to start choking on her meat. <laughs> the saddest little parade of vegetables I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if I'm... The only one eating dinner, I'm going to make me a sandwich or go get something or I am not going to make a whole meal. But, but you know, don't me. you think, but don't you think that's so Ruth because she is such a it creature is. of habit? It I could is. see her doing that. You're right. You and me, I'd be making myself yeah. a cheese sandwich. <laughs> dinner or a, um, a sandwich or something. I would be so lazy if I was the only one eating. But yeah, it was sad. And you know what? If it was me and I was by myself, I would be reading a book or watching TV while I ate because <laughs> just sitting there, not that. Yeah, sad. I think you're right. You tend to <clears throat> distract yourself with something else. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be alone with myself. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in the next scene, Claire wakes up, and I got to take a pause here to tell you a little bit about what happened on the commentary track. The director is talking about how the scenes. Um, Fade to white a, a lot And that's that's a big six feet under thing And mm -hmm. that um, he tried to Have it fade in on You know the sun at a certain moment And he they had to actually Shoot uh, two scenes uh, Specifically to get that Effect and one was this Scene where Claire wakes up and the other one Was uh, Keith waking up in uh, Taylor's hospital room later so It's just like it's so weird these like little Minute things that make the scene look perfect Um uh, you know, it, this huge elaborate process has to be set up to do it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to get the perfect light. Or, I mean, it, it was very lovely, whimsical, sort of yeah. magical lighting. I did notice it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So his effort wasn't completely wasted. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, the director really described uh, the, the weekend in it, Sarah, as like when it, whenever it would come back to that, he was like, okay, we're back in like fantasy land here or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? It was an amazing place to sleep right there next to all those windows of, you know, such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. I would, I would love that. It was very magical looking. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> she wakes up and here's kind of a, a ruckus of people coming in and, uh, <laughs> the weirdos gets... are coming. The hippies <laughs> she... are here. The hippies are here <laughs> oh, for God. your lives. They're so... going to bear their breasts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they ask about, uh, uh, Ruth and Nathaniel declare, and it turns out that uh, they they had fond memories of uh, Nathaniel Senior all hunched over a rolling machine. Okay, I found that so <laughs> completely callous. Again, yes. all these people are so freaking self-absorbed; they don't yes. even notice her discomfiture, nor do they mm. particularly care. It's all a big joke. But you know mm -hmm. what? They're they're probably those type of people who um, don't keep those kind of things from their children who think that it's okay to let your children know you're doing oh, drugs yeah. or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. But you probably invite them in and bake yeah. them hash brownies. I'm telling you, I have a cousin who is a hippie and he and his wife and their four kids and oh, But again, you know, just no edit mode. I mean, I know it's true to character. I'm just saying it's, I'm feeling for Claire in that moment, and I'm not happy that Sarah. Again, I kind of feel like Sarah should be protective of her, mm -hmm. She's and, not. And, and and change the subject or something. You know the way you normally would do for somebody 
when you're they're in your care and they're young, and she doesn't do any of it. Well, you know, we did get the feeling that at the beginning of the episode that Sarah either spaced the fact that she was coming over that weekend or it was the wrong weekend for Claire to come up. Um, I think it was more of a Sarah said, oh, yeah, come up. And Claire's like, oh, I'll come up this weekend. Sarah's like, oh, yeah. And then she didn't realize it was actually <laughs> yeah. thing. It was more of a gesture. Mm-hmm. You know, I think day. I think uh, I think Sarah's all about giving Claire an experience. You know, <laughs> I think she's just like go with it, Claire, and you'll mm-hmm. be, you'll you'll have something to you know Remember. that might might inspire you in some way. You know, <laughs> artistically, <laughs> yes, it'll inspire me to stay away from that place. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> back at the Happy Diaz home, Rico is uh, about to leave for work. <laughs> And Vanessa is being awful chummy with Ramon. Oh, yes. Notice the little touch on his elbow. Here, I'm making breakfast. Do you want some? Mm-hmm. When, so, are we, when are they going to kill off that family? <laughs> <laughs> Rico gives uh, the two of them a suspicious look as he leaves. Mm-hmm. Of course he does. Uh, yes. At the flower shop, Nikolai Crakey Pants is in a real snoot. <laughs> <laughs> he cancels dinner with Ruth and... Uh, she uh, she suddenly remembers her lonely dinner, a little flash to that, and she invites Robbie to dinner. Hey, do we ever find out why Nikolai was so cranky? Not, Not yet. This episode. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think so. I just wanted to make sure I didn't mm-hmm. forget. Um, in the next scene, holy cow, David Schwimmer is at Jeffrey's Wake. <laughs> and uh, to something that completely must have rocked Dez's world, Dave is rocking some scruff. <laughs> I barely noticed it, but I did enjoy this double talk and how Nate said he was an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. Uh, yeah. It, it, the whole, like, um, you know, he, he should, um, uh, you guys, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear any of that. Des oh. was cutting out and she sounded like she was um, stuttering the whole time. I have no idea what she just said. <laughs> well, on our end, on our end, you uh, went offline and back online again. So I just kept talking. Okay. I'll just, we can recreate it. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> just move on. I'll find out later when I hear what you said. <laughs> we're, we're talking about them doing stubble talk. Yeah, you need to you need to put put, put your two cents in here. That's fine. I, I won't even edit this. Go ahead. Well, Who's doing double talk? I don't know what you're talking about. Stubble talk. Stubble oh, talk. Oh, stubble talk. <laughs> Nate talking about how to get the perfect scruff. Oh, see, I missed all of that. Heard nothing. I thought I, I was uh, thought it was pretty exciting because we might actually get to see our lovely day with Stubble. Yes, <laughs> I'm looking it, forward to that. Yes, I am too. Then he'll look more like Dexter, and if he grew his hair out a little longer, then it would be much more palatable, right? Yes, then he'd look more like Dexter, who is more attractive than David, mm-hmm. even though it's the same man. Same man, 10 years older. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we have uh, – Rico asks if he can head home a little early. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Rabbi Ari arrives and catches Nate's eye. And there's some Hebrew singing. And Nate is sad for Mr. Shapiro and her baby. And he pictures Brenda there weeping. And that's that totally, like, choked me up. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's time to tell Brenda. You're yes. now. <laughs> that's I think that's the Jiminy Cricket in Nate saying, You need to tell your wife to be what the hell's going on, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that um Brenda looks at Nate and it's you know, 
Yeah, you're you're actually the camera is like the point of view of Nate, so she's like really looking at us, you know, <laughs> just like mm-hmm. half like accusingly, like how could you, like half just completely sad. I just kind of was like, I had I had a little semi tear at that point. Was I the only one who thought it was really weird to see Brenda holding a baby and that it was probably something completely foreign to her? <laughs> Well, also, she just split and look like she should be holding a baby. <laughs> well, also, there's uh, the director said in the commentary that she, in fact, also styled her hair like Mrs. Shapiro's. Mm-hmm. So she, I noticed that more. she yeah. looked the part. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely being haunted by his little AVM. So back at Hippie Central, um, Basil <laughs> is reading from Howl, and bongos are being played, and the mushrooms arrive! Oh my god, <laughs> I, The party can start now. <laughs> I would be so miserable there. I would just, uh, oh, I would hate every second of that. I have to be honest with you, I could, I could look at this and, and probably from a step away be somewhat amused, but I would be uncomfortable with these people. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think I would have a lot... In common with them. No. <laughs> and, uh, I yeah. want to go to the treehouse. <laughs> yes, me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> so Toby also arrives too and catches Claire's eyes, like "Hello, young young man." Um. No, that was Fiona. Never mind. Uh. So going on. To- <laughs> Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Next scene. Speaking of you, um, or just. Completely surprising out of nowhere. Rico uh, comes home and hears some heavy breathing from behind the plastic. Oh, I thought for sure that it was not going to be anything, but maybe um, uh, Carlos or uh, whatever his name is, Ramon, Ramon, was actually doing work and it just looked like he was doing something special because I, I knew he wouldn't be having sex with Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, and I, I knew that too, and I was expecting it to be some kind of motion with a hammer or a yes. saw or something. So <laughs> to my amazement, when they pull back the curtain, <laughs> my God. So Rico freaks the hell out. And, of course. Uh, yeah, the, my favorite line in the scene is, what the fucking fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rico. Which uh, was worse, seeing your wife with him or seeing your cousin with a man? So yeah, this is the scene. Seeing I, your wife with with him would have been. Worse. I don't know. I think for Frederico, it's such a close tie. <laughs> He's so homophobic. He yeah. is. It's really sad. Right here, where my kids play, You're like oh, yeah. you break. Um. So uh, so wait, wait, Robin. You wanted to know if we were going to warm up a little bit more to Rico at some point? <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Yeah. Come on! I mean, I, I'd be a little pissed off, even if it was too, like a guy like hooking up with a chick in my living room that he wanted. No, to, no, uh, it is pretty gross that that's what they're doing in your living room, and, and when kind of on your time, so to speak. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's it's more. I'm sorry, I just I'm laughing at him because he's just so freaked by by the whole, the whole homoerotic part of this. Yeah, I mean, he it's it's not. If it was, yeah, sure, I'd be a little annoyed if they were doing it in my living room and everything when my kids could come home at any time. But yeah. the whole fact that it's two men would not upset me because I am not a homophobe like Rico bastard. Um, and and this is definitely this is the scene I was talking about earlier where I said it's kind of echoed it echoes from the porn scene where like the same position was being done with the workmen showing up and all that. 
Uh, oh, that's what you were alluding to. Yeah. I thought you were alluding to Brenda later, and I thought, hmm, it doesn't fit. But anyway. I wasn't sure because <laughs> there were three people in the porno, and I don't yeah. remember any threesomes in the show. Well, I'm sure Ramon wouldn't have minded if, well, wait a second, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> they might be distant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, back to the funeral home, Nate asked uh, Rabbi Ari if she... Uh, she could talk to him about death from the Jewish uh, point of view, and uh, she asked him to take a drive with her. Um, Maggie, or, excuse me. She she invites him along to the whole, you know, um, burial of this guy. And don't you think maybe you should just make an appointment for another time instead of intruding on this family at their time of grief? You know, well, it just seemed inappropriate. I, Maybe I she felt because they were driving in the car and no one else would hear the conversation that it didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, she invited him, which probably, you know, that she shouldn't have. But um, he shouldn't have gone along with it. He could have waited a day or so. Yeah, but if you, I mean, you want to see what, what, what death is all about from the Jewish point of view? Well, come along, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they went to the funeral and they went to Shiva's afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a great idea. I mean, you know, um, he even um, seems to console uh, Mrs. Shapiro a bit at the end of the episode. So, see, if it was me, I would be wondering why is this guy here? You know, he's just a funeral director. He didn't know our family, so that would be weird to me. Well, then again, if he cared so much that he was, you know. I don't know. I'm 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 okay with Nate Show. How could he care about someone he didn't meet till they were dead? Well, he cared enough about his client that he okay. would. I don't. I don't know. To me, it seems like not caring because seriously, you're just in coming when they. You know, you're just intruding. It's like crashing a party. Moira, Robin, or Des, pick one. Oh, Robin. Thank you. Everything no, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I just, to me, it just seemed weird. <laughs> the next scene is at Maggie's apartment, and Brenda brings her a cactus because it doesn't need watering or caring about it in any way. <laughs> uh, Maggie thinks of a place for them to get married, but Brenda wants somewhere more natural, which reminds Maggie of her marriage on the beach, and immediately asks Brenda to leave. Brenda tries reaching out, and uh, she says, it doesn't help me right now that you're here don't tell dad I was crying and I'm not Billy. If you want to help me, just leave. Speaking of self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. She's a piece of work. Worst mom ever, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, who knows? She may be a little more Billy than she <laughs> thinks. So. She lets on. Yeah. yeah. So we both voted her as worst mom of the century, haven't we? This yes. <laughs> Maybe even of... Uh, the past several centuries, you know, maybe the past uh, <laughs> millennium. I don't know. Uh-huh. I had to investigate, but so far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nate comes out with a secret to uh, Ari and um, Brenda calls right on cue and uh, Nate ignores it. Pausing for Moira, <laughs> who went offline. She's all bragging about her internet just a moment ago. Did you hear that? Yeah, I know. Canada. We never Canada. have problems. It's practically a third world country. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to love that when she hears it on the back. 
Why are you back? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, this is going to scare me. I can tell. <laughs> I'm not. No one tell her what we said. No, just move I'll along. just leave it in. I'll, I'll it wait in. till it comes out. It'll be a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we, I was just saying where that Nate uh, told Ari a secret and Brenda calls, but Nate ignores it. Mm-hmm. As well, he should. He is in the middle of a conversation with <laughs> But Brenda it's, might be needing him right now. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, you know, it's cell phones these days have made people rude. Um. So I'm too though. <laughs> Nate asked uh, the rabbi what she, what she would do if you know she were in his circumstance, and she said she would try to live her life every day in a way that honors God. And he says he doesn't believe in God, and she says maybe he should find him. And uh, did he say he didn't believe in God, or did he say he doesn't know if he believes in God? I One or the other. Didn't didn't know. Didn't know. Yeah, I thought he said he didn't know too, which is different. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go to dinner with Robbie, and <laughs> Robbie is going on and on in plan speak, and uh, we see Ruth saying to herself like how much she wants him to shut up. I didn't know she was capable of so many hostile thoughts. <laughs> well, Goodness. she keeps them all inside. Yes, and look, out. and look at what's hiding and lurking in the dark depths She's of Ruth's mind. Woman in there. She is. Wow. So we get a scene that uh, I, I'm sure many people would be happy about is the fact that she That's tells Robbie she is done with the plan. I was so relieved. Yes. <laughs> We've been praying for this for several episodes now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I, I thought she was kind of done with it, but, you know, still, I don't know. I don't know. It was still part of her life, but she was didn't believe in it as much before. But I'm glad, to, I'm glad that she tells Robbie here. And but, then there's uh, this deathly awkward silence after yeah. she tells him. Robbie has nothing to say anymore because no, he can't speak in building he metaphors. Can't, he can't talk in plants. Robbie, he needs a better hobby to the plan. Oh, <laughs> Robbie, you need a better hobby. <laughs> so uh, David's looking right stubbly as he's waiting for Keith at the at, at, for dinner. And uh, I wrote yeah. down, I wrote down, David has scruff! Exclamation mark! Exclamation wow, mark! Wow, I did not even notice. Oh <gasps> my goodness, you need yeah. to, He was God. looking really scruffy. Wow, I did not even notice. That's how much I don't really care about how David looks. <laughs> See, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to win Des over in this episode. He's rocking the scruff. He's doing all he can. That's it. No more, you know, just just focusing all of our hopes and dreams on what Des does or doesn't like, okay? <laughs> We're just not going to care anymore. I know. That's it's not it. in our programming. It's just terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I let you down. <laughs> so, so he gets a call from Keith, and Keith is at the hospital. And uh, yeah, Taylor's appendix uh, burst or no. was enlarged, right? Yeah, it hadn't burst yet. Um, they said they caught it in time. But um, this is what I was going to talk about Dexter, because this week on Dexter, Harrison's <laughs> appendix burst. Oh, and I thought that was really uh, funny that it was like the same week. The uh, for those who don't watch Dexter, she's talking about Harrison Ford, not any sort of character you should worry about. (laughs) Yes, yes, but uh, what's his face is on both 
uh, uh, Michael C. Hall's on both shows. So I thought that was very interesting that he had an appendix burst on two shows in the same week, even though one wasn't aired this week. <laughs> it was a few years apart. But it hey. was aired on my TV in the same yes, week. So that counts. Well, that's how that's why that's how I planned out these episodes to be uh, for us to talk about them. I was like, <laughs> eventually Dexter will be attending to. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, uh, yes. So, um, bongos and scarfs and boobies galore. Horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> I am traumatized. I'm going to have nightmares now. Yes. <laughs> Here, beat these gourds, <laughs> says booby lady. Um, and, uh, yeah, Toby and Claire sneak off to a meditation hut, uh, Toby is, we find out, is his parents' DD. Um, they Which haven't. I've been there, done that when I was a teenager. <laughs> really? Never had that experience. My parents, my dad was a, a diver in the Army. And let me tell you, the divers are drinking folk. And my parents used to have really um, big parties with lots of kegs. And I used to drive. Um, the, all their friends home when they were too drunk when I was like 16, 17. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Fun days. I can't even fathom. <laughs> so uh, they have a nice kiss and uh, Claire backs off, but Toby assures her that he doesn't want to hook up. Uh, it's kind of against his own personal ethics to hook up with somebody he just met. Because <laughs> he's had such major life experience to know <laughs> at 19. You know, at 19, yeah. And I was just like, Claire, I'm like, okay, he's feeding her a line to get down yeah. her pants. <laughs> but he isn't. He's, she's a bit suspicious, but he just wants to cuddle. Well, that's nice and all. <laughs> I was suspicious, too. Yeah. I thought maybe it was an elaborate line that he'd play out over several meetings and then get in her pants. Exactly. And it might mm-hmm. still be. <laughs> We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. Because I think she gave him his, her phone number. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Um, in the next scene, Taylor apologizes to Keith for getting sick. Aw. Uh, <laughs> and Keith uh, apologizes for basically not keeping not believing her. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess it depends on the child because I have a child who likes to always tell me that his throat hurts or his stomach hurts or his head hurts or something to get out of things all the time. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time knowing <laughs> when this child. <laughs> you know, I can usually I tell that. when he's really sick because then you know he has he's very sedate and you know doesn't really want to do anything. But normally, you know, he, he likes to try that a lot. I'm laughing so hard because. My kids don't dare try to be <laughs> I should hope not. An option. <laughs> you get out the med not. kit. Well, all right, let's take a look. <laughs> I'm like, well, let me see your throat. I'll check your ear. Hmm, no, you're not dying. You see ya. <laughs> Go to school. <laughs> so Keith, uh, Keith says that maybe they should have a code word. So she's, she doesn't understand what that's all about but yeah i don't i don't know how that would work anyways because then you know you if just use the code word if you want to get away with stuff use yeah the code word and you know, manipulate that way right <laughs> so we're at the shivas and uh uh comedian jeff ross is there doing stand-up uh i don't know if you guys know him he's yeah. been, been in lots of things but uh he's most famous for being the guy like one of the best comedians to have at like a comedy roast um, yeah so um he's a really funny guy 
I was like, whoa, Jeff Ross. Um, so Nate tells Ari that he's engaged and she says she's not interested. And <laughs> she admits to having a bit of a messiah complex. And um, she turns around on Nate and tries to talk to him about, you know, like, how could you not tell your soulmate th- this whole problem? And he says he's not sure if she's my soulmate and uh, what what is a soulmate? And she says it's a person that makes you the best you could possibly be, a person that makes your soul grow the most. See, more foreshadowing to me that things between Brenda and Nate are not going to be smooth. Mm. Mm. Well, I already knew that. <laughs> Just from their personalities. Well, yeah. but mm. Brenda is cruising when a dude rolls up and she gives him the eyes. And then she has a little fantasy about hooking up in his big truck. And then she wakes up and speeds off. Uh, Mrs. Shapiro back to Shiva She's still trying to figure out what happened to her husband And whether he wanted to die or not And uh, Nate Kind of reflecting on his own Issues he says he doesn't think That he wanted to die um, Next uh, Brenda wants to role play with Nate And Because uh, I think she wanted to kind of recreate Her fantasy A bit mm-hmm. right? Um Nate doesn't feel like it. He makes love to her, but she wants hard sex. And you can tell by the look on her face that she's really not into it at all. Um, Keith wakes up in a chair next to Taylor and walks out and he's glowing when he sees David sleeping in a chair outside the room mm-hmm. with even more stubble that Des ignored. <laughs> no, I think I noticed at that time, maybe. <laughs> She's just saying that to placate us now. <laughs> I don't remember. It was I, I can tell. Do you know? I made a note beside uh, at the end of the Brenda and Nate scene because you read it completely right, Robin. And I made a note. And I said, "Is it the beginning of the end?" Hmm. I, I think. Really you, think? Uh, you think they'll pull through it? Wasn't Nate shirtless in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. I think that I noticed. <laughs> I. Uh, do I think they'll pull through? I think Brenda will be around for a while, but I'm not expecting them to last, ultimately. Hmm. I guess now that if you pin me down and ask me, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding you down with a pillow. <laughs> Damn you. Harder, harder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brenda. Des. Constantly fantasizing about other men. Whatever. <laughs> Nothing does. You just... The shirt's uh, off. That's you're distracted, and you have nothing to say. Yeah, about she, she didn't I'm, notice anything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Nate had a shirt off. <laughs> what do you guys want from me? <laughs> so the next scene, Claire comes in to see the fallout from Howl Weekend. She covers up boob lady's boobs, and um, Sarah's playing some Joni Mitchell. In fact, the song's called "Back to the Garden," mm-hmm. and Sarah hopes Ruth would visit. And Claire says, "Yeah, right." And Sarah says to her, she thinks that she hides inside of herself because she's afraid of rejection. So don't reject her. She's Ruth's had enough pain in her lifetime. And uh, yeah, and Toby comes in, gets her number. Now <laughs> it seems like Sarah was really trying to get rid of Claire. Yes, <laughs> come on! Too much oh her God. out the door. <laughs> yeah, please don't come around here anymore. Just try to take care of your mother. I really don't care about anything else. Really, that is that how she came across? No, it was more like... Not uh, everybody's a Cylon. 
I hope you had a good time, and, you know, hopefully we can do this again, and, you know, like, it was obviously time to go, you know what I mean? Not, like, straight out, like, see ya, bye, get out of here, but definitely, you know, when the host starts making those hints, like, it's time for you to go. That's what she was doing. I think Claire was on her way out the door when she had her she, talk with her. She was. She was already said she was leaving. I didn't think she was because she put her own jacket on that lady. So was she going to just take off without her jacket? I thought she was just coming inside to, you know, have some breakfast. No, see, I got the impression that it was implicit that she was already had already said she was going and they were just saying their goodbyes. Yeah. I, I thought it was the one redeeming thing Sarah did was trying to help mend fences between Claire and her mom. Oh, it was, it, was, was nice. it was beautiful. I loved that. I loved it. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> the next scene, uh, Garciella, uh, Ramon's wife, doesn't get why Rico fired Ramon. <laughs> Just because they had a difference in opinion over tile. Tiles? <laughs> uh, Rico says he's going to do the house himself. And uh, Vanessa blames it on a bit of machismo. Garciella hopes that their differences don't harm their friendship. And when she leaves, Vanessa calls him a weirdo. And Rico's like, whatever. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, if the show could just be about them. <laughs> um, so the next scene, Claire comes home to find Ruth drinking coffee by herself. And she's not going to ask her about her weekend. Uh, Ruth did, however, find slugs in the garden. Uh <laughs> Claire goes to take a nap and Ruth finds uh, a tape that says Sarah songs in Claire's things and Ruth pops it in and the same song from earlier starts playing and Ruth sings along as, as best as she can and uh, Claire comes down and stops and, and just watches her. <sighs> so um, speaking of Ruth, uh, Robin, are you watching American Horror Story? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because, uh, what's his name? Francis Conroy's on that. Mm hmm. And a very strange character. Are you watching it, Moira? No, I haven't started. Nope. Okay. She looks she looks older. Ruth is a um, bit messed up in that show. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a bit. And a bit up. sad. A little sadder, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> a quick note about this scene in particular um, that the director had to coach. Um, Francis Conroy on actually singing the song in the way like somebody who does not have any singing experience sing it uh, with her voice kind of cracking and not quite hitting all the notes. Um, it, when they f- did the first take, she was just kind of singing along with it and it sounded just as good as Joni Mitchell. Um, so he had to kind of say, okay, you know, you're just a, you're just a housewife, you know, you, 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 but uh, yeah, the the cool thing about this is is that um, you see that they you know this is a part of like their past that they shared. They probably were into the same music at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as this seems to this Joni Mitchell song seems to ring of Aunt Sarah and her like hippie lifestyle, um, this also is kind of like this poignant like you know Ruth singing along with it as well. I, I really. I was I was very moved as usual. Uh huh. <laughs> I thought it was very sweet. I thought it was sweet to have Claire come upon her mom in that unguarded moment yeah. to make her realize her mom is actually a person. Uh huh. Teenagers have a hard time realizing that. Yeah. Um. Anything else, guys? No. Uh-huh. Okay. 
we'll let, let's take another break and we'll hear from our friends from Carnicast. Sorry, Claire couldn't be here, but here's her voice now. <laughs> All carnies, freaks, and roustabouts, roll up, roll up, and come and check out Carnicast. I'm Claire, and I'm a huge fan of the critically acclaimed HBO show Carnival. Not seen it? Well, until recently, neither had these guys. I'm Matt. I'm Naomi. And I'm Tammy. Together, inspired by other intro casts, we are watching the show and reviewing it episode by episode. Whether you're already a fan of the show, or, like Matt, Mel and Tammy, just watching it for the first time, Carnicast is perfect for you. And if you're watching it for the first time, don't worry, there are no spoilers here. You can visit us at carnicast.blogspot.com or find us on iTunes and Facebook by searching for Carnicast. Let's shake some dust, children! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back to uh, Fisher. I miss Claire. <laughs> Points off. Points off for no Claire. Uh, well, you know, without Claire here, I will say that I'm going to uh, uh, award you all Fisher points uh, for dealing with this tragedy. The her the, the fact that she was not able to be on this episode. So oh, awesome. Get my tissue. So lots of Fisher points hand around. <laughs> Sweet. Anyway, um, so Fisher of the Week, uh, I believe uh, Moira wasn't prepared last week, was it? Or Yeah. Well, okay, so you're obviously ready to go. Completely <laughs> prepared, promise. But I, I was having a little bit of a hard time trying to decide who to give it to because a bit like last week's episode, I, there was... I'm so having trouble having everybody being a standout. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but but after much ado, um, I decided in the end to give it to David because of him uh, reconciling <clears throat> with Keith and being there for him when little Taylor had her appendicitis attack. And just because I'm happy for him because he got back together with his love. So that's who I picked. It's funny, um, speaking of Echoes, I was talking about her the di- dinner scene with Ruth by herself, Echo to the Invisible Woman, but the the scene um, where Keith uh, beams at the fact that David has been waiting in the hallway all night um, kind of reminded me of the end of, was that the, was it the foot? No. No, no, not the foot. The, the one where uh, Claire, I think it was like Knock Knock or maybe the one before that. Um, it wasn't knock knock. It was something else. Anyway, it was an episode where Keith was there for Claire and David was beating. Oh, you know? yes. So, Des. Mm, I don't know. Nobody was really that good this week. Um, I guess I'm just going to. Really, nobody. Um, I'll. Uh, I'm going to go with none of the above. <laughs> no, you have to pick you can't one. do that. I had to All pick right. so do you. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to pick David because Moira did, and we'll see if we can get a complete set and get shots. <laughs> That's An it. alcohol-fueled decision. Gotta love yes, that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, 
I'm going to pick David because he had scruff and he looked hot. Yay! <laughs> you stole my system! <laughs> because you were scruff ignoring this week. You don't deserve the scruff credit. David needs to be acknowledged for his efforts in trying to make Des happy. If he is next week, I'll pay attention, I promise. Uh, oh well. Uh, so <laughs> let's move on to uh, listener eulogies, and it looks like we have two here. We have one from Brad and one from Courtney. Are uh, both who have guested on uh, Fishercast, and thanks for writing in. Um, so who wants to read Brad's? Well, I'll do it this time since you did it last time, Moira. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brad says, I've got a lot of questions, which is apparently how Jewish people answer questions, according to a certain annoyingly vapid rabbi woman. Oh, oh is he angry again this He's week? angry at Rabbi <laughs> Ari. Oh, my gosh. I liked her. Um, is there ever going to be a point in the show where Ruth can tolerate having a meal alone? She's unyieldingly selfish, that, and that has to mature at some point in this ramshackle creaking journey of self-discovery, doesn't it? Yep, angry bad. <laughs> my caps lock came on, and I was prepared to type joyful exclamations as Rico entered the house, only for me to... <laughs> <laughs> to learn to hate him that much more. Back to back to the homophobia. Really? Do people out there actually like Rico? <laughs> I think he's going to need to cure cancer for me to turn him around on him at this point. Uh, this this smarmy nonsense talking rabbi and her cloying smugness is unbearable. I hope she doesn't return. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that she's in more than one episode. Uh, unless her and Rico are getting walled up in his house, cask of Montel- was that a Montelado style? A Montelado style. <laughs> Did no one explain to the widow how her husband died because she really seemed to think it was a suicide as a plus. As opposed to just a creepy creepo accident. I think that would make a bit of difference to her, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, angry Brad. <laughs> I don't know. I would think that maybe it'd be best that she remember her husband not like Either he killed himself or he's no, a weirdo No, I no, guy, I would want know? to know. I would Really? Want, oh, wow. I would want to know because for me to think that he actually killed himself and didn't leave a note and I had no idea why would be That's much true. harder You're to right. take. Exactly. But it would also be really hard to deal with the fact that he um just accidentally did something this stupid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> Either way. Yeah, if you need to if you need to you need to have a, a release, honey, uh come to me. We can talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I read Courtney's? Sure. All right, she says, Hi, Moira Destin Robin. I really enjoyed this episode. For one thing, there was the introduction of Sarah, played by Patricia Clarkson in the last episode, and I love having her back in this episode. If Lisa is the anti Brenda, then Sarah Ooh. is the anti Ruth. Although Whoa. I do think she- <laughs> I It's do like parallel think- universes. <laughs> Although I do think she's a bit kooky. I love how alive Claire seems whoops, seems to be seems to be when she was present. Sarah sees in Claire an artistic spirit, and it seems like the first time that Claire has an idea of what her future could hold. She looks more beautiful there in Laurel Canyon, in this setting with light and trees and colors. I love the actress Molly Parker playing Rabbi Ari, and Nate's fascination with her is palpable. Is it simply spiritual guidance he is seeking? I think not. 
<laughs> oh my God, Brenda and Nate totally doomed in my opinion. Okay, high five, Courtney. <laughs> but, but whatevs, they just keep sticking together inexplicably. David and Keith. Um, I will only say one thing, which is Keith's cop partner steals the show every time he's on screen. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. Rico's description of autoerotic asphyxiation is hilarious. He seems to take so much boyish pleasure in explaining the significance of the lemon wedge. <laughs> the ending, with Ruth singing the beautiful Joni Mitchell song, Woodstock, is one of the most poignant scenes for me in all of Six Feet Under. Her off-kilter singing, her sad expression, it moves me. It's the revelation to the viewers of who Ruth might have been when she was younger. And I also think it's the revelation to her of what she has lost and of her deep loneliness. Plus, she has clearly given up on the ridiculous plan. We are all grateful for that. <laughs> yes, we are. And, uh, yeah, I just looked it up. I realize I've been referenced. I always thought the song was Back to the Garden. And maybe the Back to the Garden is a lyric out of it. Yeah, back to the garden. That's right. Yeah, so I always, yeah. I always assumed that was the title of the song, but the title of the song no. is Woodstock. Yeah, she's totally right. All right. Yeah, what you knew that? Why did you correct? Our, me? Listen, our listeners are smart. Our listeners okay. know things. Well, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the uh, fun trivia facts that uh, come from our listeners. I love it. Hmm. Um. So. Let's get on to our last right section, our final thoughts and readings. So, Des. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. I like this episode. Then we were talking about it. And I realized I didn't like it that <laughs> much. <laughs> so, yeah. Points off for um, Keith. <laughs> we have a goddamn point system again. <sighs> <laughs> uh, points off for Rico and Vanessa. Um, points added for stubble talk. Points added for porn. Uh, points added for shirtless Nate. Uh, points off for um, hippie boobies. Um, so I'm gonna give it a. I'm, I'm gonna give it a, a six out of ten horn swagglers. Horn swagglers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what fifteen year olds are. Remember. <laughs> Horny Hornswoggler. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, I um, think I liked it a bit more than you did, Des. Again, not one of my favorite episodes. I kind of find it amusing watching the the idiocracy of the hippies <laughs> in a strange kind of way. I mean, just watching the boobs flailing at me <laughs> with with, um, with those those what are those called those tusks or whatever. Being thrust at me, saying, "Here, shake these." That would that would have scared the gourd. The gourd. Thank you. That would have scared the heck out of me right there. If I was seventeen, <laughs> I probably would have run for the hills. But I, I give points on for the whole Keith and David reconciliation. That made me very happy. Um, as I said, I think watching Brenda and Nate slowly start to unravel is interesting. Uh, kind of sad, and I'm gonna be keen to see what happens with Ruth. That really touched me, that last scene mm. with her. Um, I agree with Courtney on all of it. So overall, I'm going to give it um, 7 out of 10 unbitten wedges of lemon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I will say this is definitely uh, one of the most memorable episodes of Six Feet Under. It definitely is up there on um, many people's uh, uh, lists of favorite episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, 
that's wow. heartening. <laughs> See, I think we don't have enough context. Yeah, must be exactly. why. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully. Have the same meaning. But then that means the rest of them are going to be not as good. Well, you and Robo Brad can but talk I just about gave that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I would say, I, I don't have any sort of points things. Um, I just gave it a, a quick nine out of 10 rolling machines because I love when Nathaniel seniors <laughs> brought up in an episode. <laughs> so, um, well, speaking of which, I hope he makes some more appearances. I kind of miss Nate senior. Des doesn't. No, I know. That's <laughs> all right. He's better than, uh, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I give yeah, it to Okay, wait a minute. And Sarah ranks where compared to Rico? Is Rico below Sarah? Yes. <laughs> okay, I thought Rico's you said that. Below. Rico is the bottom. Of he's the lowest of the low right now, isn't he? He is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, I also like Nathaniel Sr. better than Keith. I, I, I would give that to Nathaniel Sr. too. Yeah. yeah, I agree, actually. All right, well, let's bury yeah. this bistro. <laughs> <laughs> that this season three? It's going to be a different B word every week. I'm not predictable. <laughs> okay. You're not like Ruth. You're not stuck in your ways. <laughs> Alright, visit us at fishercast.blogstock uh-huh. Visit us. I told you I can't talk today. Um, it's because he didn't say let's bury this bitch. That's it. Um, I can't. <laughs> Just, go ahead. <laughs> I had to say it <laughs> just to be difficult. Visit us at fishercast.blogspot.com. Leave a voicemail at one five four one two embalm. That's five four one two three six two two five six. Visit us on Facebook. Or you can email us at fishercast1 at gmail.com. Put the title of the episode in the subject line, and we will then know whether or not we need to avoid it. But we love your feedback, even your angry feedback, Brad. <laughs> so keep it coming. Thanks. Uh, as long as the anger isn't pointed towards us directly, <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Exactly. <laughs> Although, um, exactly. if you're angry, it does. I understand. <laughs> and she <laughs> welcomes it. Line, I know she you know. Does. I would anyone ever be angry at <laughs> sweet little me uh, oh i i also forgot to mention i recently uh changed our facebook group so it is reachable through facebook.com slash groups slash fishercast if you want to look for it directly on on the nets um yeah so des uh speaking of you you're as self-involved as aunt sarah at least uh where can we find you on the web I love speaking about me. Okay. It's my favorite thing in the world. I am self-absorbed. Um, okay. You can find me on What's On With Steph and Dez. You can find me on Fatal Attraction, a Lost Girl podcast. You can find me on Nonsense Cast. And you can find me on Bitch, Please. Those are all podcasts, just so you know. Starting podcast. next week, I'm going to – yeah. Starting next week, I'm going to do two uh, – just two a week and I'll rotate them. Okay. Because I get tired of saying all four. <laughs> Good idea. I'm just scared of the day. We don't want you to strain yourself. Or I'm just scared of the day when <laughs> you submit like all the promos for every single one of your podcasts to me. And that way I'll have to throw those in a rotation. And people will be like, I haven't heard mine in ages. So I'm listening to Dez's <laughs> pro- pro- promos all the time. I don't have, we only have one promo for one of the five podcast. Well, no, we have two. Two out of the five podcasts. 
podcasts I do, and one of them is this show. Yeah, well, uh, you should play that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Have they ever heard our promo on our show? You should, yeah, for the listeners yeah. who haven't heard it. Yeah, I'll play awesome. it sometime. In case this is the only podcast yeah. they listen to. He didn't sound sincere to me, Des. He I sounded know. like he was placating us again. That's twice in one podcast. <laughs> Seriously. Here at FisherCast, a Six Feet Under retrospective, we're just dying to make your acquaintance. The critically acclaimed and Emmy Award-winning Six Feet Under aired on HBO in the early 2000s for five seasons. It was a quirky drama that took a darkly comic look at the dysfunctional Fisher family who run an independent funeral home in Los Angeles. I'm Robin, and one of my favorite shows has always been Six Feet Under. I find the most fun way to rewatch any great series with friends who have never seen it. So, following the format created by the great Buffy Rewatch podcast, Potential Cast, I've invited my friends Dez and Moira to watch it with me. So hop in the green hearse with us and let's go for a ride. If you've seen every episode, this is a fun way to rewatch it. But if you're new to it, like us, you don't need to worry about spoilers. Visit us on the web at fishercast.blogspot.com or find us on iTunes. Just search for Fishercast. Fishercast, a six feet under retrospective. Every day above ground is a good one. Um, I keep forgetting to talk about myself because I'm always so uh, thrilled to talk about Moira. But let me just say, uh, you can also find me on Redemption Cast, which is an angel intro cast. And you can find me at Twitter. Uh, The handle is at LRobinero. That's Robin with an Eero at the end. Um, (laughs) And you can find Moira, of course, dancing around the fire, letting people beat on her gourds. <laughs> and of course on Twitter at twitter.com slash Moira Brown. That's Brown with an E at the end. Oh, damn it. More than just a color. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for Fisher Cast this week. Next week, your homework is it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. Next week is Christmas, oh, guys. Is Christmas? It's like Canada Yay. only. It's like because they get the holidays early, right? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we had our Thanksgiving. Somebody yeah. was asking about like Halloween for like a Halloween episode for Buffy or whatever, and I was like, Canada's had Halloween in August, so. <laughs> <laughs> you hush your mouth, boy. <laughs> As for uh, back to the garden, we therefore commit this episode to the ground, ashes to ashes, ashes to and ashes, dust to dust, dust to dust. Bye. <gasps> Just joined Yay. in. I joined in every week. I didn't hear you last time. I always do the dust to dust. Only the dust Bye to dust. Bye, everybody. Oh. Say goodbye. Bye. All right. All right. Here's a song. upon a child of God. He was walking along the road. And I asked him, where are you going? And this he told me.
Well, you tried it just for once, found it all right for kicks. But now you find out that it's a habit that sticks and you're an orgasm addict. You're an orgasm addict. Sneaking in the back door with dirty magazines. So your mother wants to know what all the stains on the jeans. And you're an orgasm addict. You're an orgasm addict. Hey! 
Sunday.